Welcome to the Church Doctors Podcast with Scott and Marla Sheely. The Church Doctors Podcast is brought to you by Outpouring International. Love God, love people. That's right. We do love God and love people. And uh, one of the ways we do that is we bring in special guests who have a story to tell. And let me tell you, the the folks that we have with us today, Marla, are amazing. And this is Marla. I forgot to say that. Did you oh, say that? Oh, hi. Are you here today, Marla? I'm here. Hi, this is Marla. And who are you? <laughs> and this is Scott. Hi. We're sitting around the kitchen table with uh, our special guests and friends, John and Leith uh, Syrett. I have to say their last name correct. I have to think of pirate, and then I can say Syrett. Syrett from Canada. Yep. From, uh, you're living in Calgary now? Claire's home, Claire's south home. of Calgary. It's south of Calgary. 125 kilometers south of Calgary. Okay. On, just north of Lethbridge. So an hour, two hours from the border, Montana yeah. border. Okay. Okay. I don't know where any of those places were. I guess I need to get out more. Yeah. You're going to have to take me out more, honey. Okay. We'll have to take a, a... A trip to Canada? A trip to Canada. Yeah. And so uh, we, uh, while we're interviewing them, found out that they met each other during the middle of the... Uh, Jesus Revolution back in the early 70s uh, in Canada, and the last show that we did is the, the that part of the story. And we uh, progressed through their story until we got to the part where all of the different Jesus houses in this area found out that um, they, they needed teaching. They needed to be connected to a local church, uh, and they discovered that through meeting some friends from California that had done the same thing. They went and got connected to a Pentecostal church in the area, and uh, the word of the Lord to them was, if, if you don't accept these young kids, then they'll become a crown in somebody, a jewel in somebody else's crown. And so, uh, John... Uh, Let that sink in. That's where we're right. at right now, is uh, uh, you're, you're in a, you're still, you're newly married, married at this time? No, we just met. At this time, in fact, during that spiritual stampede when those kids were up from California, that's when I went forward and accepted the Lord. Okay. And right. uh, so that's where my I part of the story I didn't begins. mention for all the listeners that the spiritual stampede was a play on words because Calgary has a yearly event called the, the Calgary Stampede, and it's a, a huge rodeo event. And uh, uh, people from all over the place come to to that area, so they they did a play on words with that. So if every, if everybody's not familiar with why it's called the Stampede, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I want to go to that. Do they still have it? They have it every year, July first week of July, and uh, nobody wears ties. <laughs> nobody and, wears ties. I, I, when we moved back to Calgary, <laughs> I was working for a charity, so I was approaching all companies to re- get donations for this charity, the homeless charity. This was years later, and. Uh, I was wearing a tie on the train, like the, 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 the LRT, the light rail transit, from our house to downtown Calgary. And people surrounded me and said, uh, we could cut your tie off right now. Oh, my. It was like, it's serious. Like, no one wears ties in Stampede Week. And it was like, so I took my tie off. And I was like, I'm shocked. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's serious, but it's a fun. And you haven't worn a tie since, have you? Oh, I have a little, a few times. <laughs> <laughs> our daughter's wedding, I wore a tie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so what happened after that minister said, or the woman said, 
uh, if you, we don't do something with these kids and embrace them, they'll become a jewel in someone else's crown. Well, we had you had grannies hugging hippies in church. It was pretty amazing uh, what was going on. People just embraced us. The church embraced us, and just like that Jesus Revolution yeah, just movie. Exactly when I, we watched that, it was like, well, it was deja vu. It was mm-hmm. just amazing to see that. It really that was one of the scenes in the movie that really touched me and brought tears to my eyes because I remember that. That uh, they they embraced us, and not everybody. There was still some uh, one old guy, an old Pentecostal preacher that was retired there. Jump says, "You guys should wear suits, you know." <laughs> and, and then, yeah, man, far out. <laughs> That's not going to happen. And yeah. Three years later, we're all wearing you know suits with yeah ties and stuff. But uh, uh, but that might have been because it was about the seventies at that point, yeah, it was, right? Yeah, it was seventy one when we joined the church, and seventy one when um, I met Leith. And I'd been a Christian for a year. We'd had the Jesus people had been going for a year. So we brought the Jesus people. Not all the Jesus people wanted to be part of the church. In fact, Shar, I told you earlier in the previous podcast, she had left because uh, she didn't want to be part of a local church. She just, you know, wanted, I think she grew up in a very strict church. So she just wanted to be part of the Jesus people. But we connected later and she's serving the Lord and she's back, back in our fellowship. But the, uh, the, uh, quite a few people didn't. Didn't want to be part of it, so but majority of the people did. And once we did that, like the Holy Spirit moved in a greater way, a greater dimension. We had the local church, so we could disciple, we could teach and train. I eventually came on staff as a youth pastor there, and uh, I was a young married man. We had a baby, on um, just had a baby born, and I started April Fool's Day as a youth pastor. That should have been a message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we, we uh, um, I started, I was everything. You know, the pastor there was a bit of a workaholic. And so I was the, I was in charge of the discipleship program, which they, we ran through the Sunday school. So we had, we we're teaching Derek Prince's course on foundation. Uh-huh. So we were doing that. So we had seven different levels of courses. People came, got saved. They went into this one, they went to that one. And it was good. We, we you know, solidified people and, and uh, eventually it started to, to grow. More and more people came. We started the Jesus parties on Friday nights, which was a wild time. It came from, that name came from, I think, the Davis, California Jesus people. And they, they, uh, they had the same kind of meeting. So we did that. I ran it and it was, uh, you know, sometimes 200 people there, young people and stuff. And it was wild. The people dancing. I mean, we were so tired, of, you know, like from dancing and, but it was great. A lot of people came and got saved. And every Friday night we had that. We'd have a water baptism service afterwards because they had a big baptism tank inside uh, on, behind the platform in the church building. So we went upstairs afterwards and baptized sometimes 10, 15, 20 people. And then everyone we, were pra- we baptized, we prayed for, for the, received the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. It was quite a wild time. And they just, this is just what more and more people as we disciple them, they're the ones doing the evangelism, they're the ones doing outreach. So I became the evangelism coordinator for the church. <laughs> I became the um, the choir director. Oh we said goodness. one day, yeah. can we just start a choir, just about seven or eight of us? And eventually I was in charge of the choir. We were singing, teaching two new courses to the church every Sunday night. And I don't have any musical training. I just learned how to play. My dad taught me how to play piano and I learned how to play guitar. Wait a minute, you have no musical training? No. no. Wow, and you're a prophetic psalmist yeah wow so it was just that was that yeah, there's was, another conversation yeah, right there yeah that was uh my dad was a boogie woogie blues piano player had his own jazz band and so uh he taught me how to play you know the the 12 bar sequence blues sequence and boogie woogie sequence and 
I learned with my left hand, practiced that from nine years old to 12 years old. Then he, when I was 12, he figured I could understand seventh, so he taught me the seventh to go with it. And, that, and I just picked it up, and then when I became a Christian, I was playing sometimes for the Jesus party. I was picking chords out for the songs and letting other people lead and letting other people speak. I spoke quite a bit there, but I, I would give some of the young people opportunities to preach and stuff each every so, Friday night. So while this is going on, this is quite a shift for, the, for that church. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be a, a kind of old-line uh, legalist Pentecostal to having wild Friday nights and people getting born again on a constant basis, this yeah. is a big change for, for that established church. It's culture shock. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Did was. your parents ever like John Leith? <laughs> well, ha- I mean, <clears throat> look what he's turned into, and I'm just having, wondering. Having grandchildren, of course, warmed up the situation some. But the big thing that made it turn a corner, my parents moved to Vancouver Island in um, 1982. And the following years spring, after we were John, John phoned them up and said, I want to surprise Leith with a plane ticket. Is it okay if I send her out? Well, he could do no wrong after that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that, that just, you know, I mean, it gradually got better over the years, but that was the clincher. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Why do you, John, why do you think, or, or Leith, either one of you, why do you think God picked the hippies to start? I think they were the hungriest out of the whole generation. They were the hungriest for, for truth. Uh-huh. They were searching for truth. I mean, I tried. My buddy and I, we, we were dopers together. We were in band together. We, we were in a folk group together. We painted a, a spiral staircase on his on his bedroom wall where we used to take acid and stuff. And, but the staircase was like every level you go up, you learn some truth, and it's like you're climbing the staircase. And that's the only way I could perceive life at the time. So we'd go through something and we'd realize something, we'd turn, oh, that's another step. Oh. We'd say these kind of things. And so there was, there's a hunger. And I think we were just a microcosm of so many young people all over the world saying, I don't like the establishment. I don't like where it's taken us. I don't like this. I'm, I, you know, what? there's got to be more. And I remember... Bef- uh, few days before I got saved, I was crossing a bridge from lining up at a feed-in in Vancouver across the Broad Street Bridge, and I've never been depressed that I can recall. I've never been suicidal at all. But when I was walking that bridge, it was the bottom of my life, and I looked down at the water, and uh, it was a really high bridge, I knew, and, and a voice said, jump. And I, I just, I believe in God, but I didn't know Jesus. And so I was praying, and and, I, and when I got, when I saw and I heard that voice, I just said, God, I've tried everything. I've tried Eastern religion. I've tried drugs. I've tried um, music. I've tried education. I, I was a dropout from college. I was training to be a journalist, and I just didn't like political science and, and philosophy. That wasn't my interest. So anyway, I, I, I was all these things I've tried. And I don't know what, I don't know what, what it is. And so I prayed that prayer. I didn't get an answer right then. But on the way back to the hostel, um, which was about a mile walk through downtown Vancouver, I, uh, I got a jaywalking ticket. And the jaywalking ticket was only $5, but I, was, I had, no, you money. had no money. So I was yeah. panhandling. Every time I got a dollar, I'd, I'd uh, go buy a joint. Or if I got a quarter, I'd go buy a, a drink of beer, you know, and that kind of thing. So it was like, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't, there's no way I could pay that fine. It was enormous in my mind. And because of my drug state, I thought I was, it was a felony. had to be paid by July 31st. And I believe that was God that gave me that because he knew where I was. 
is that July 31st, I left town. I hitchhiked out of Vancouver because what was happening is 100,000 young people across Canada were hitchhiking to Vancouver. So this city of, of a million or so at the time could not handle 100,000 street kids. And so they were busting them for loitering or vagrancy or whatever, putting them in jail just to manage them. I mean, we slept on the beach one night in Vancouver and I woke up for the policeman kicking us saying, get up, get out of here. And I'd stash my guitar and my sleeping bag um, in the trees under the ferns. So we grabbed those and, and left and found a hostel. Yeah, yeah, so it was like they just couldn't handle this number of people. They're all heading to the West Coast. Uh, so I was one of those 100,000. 100, because when I got this ticket, I thought, I'm going to go to jail. They're going to put me in jail because they know I'm at the Armory's Hostel. I'm going to go to jail. So uh, I left that day. As a felon, I left. But then the, two days later, I met Mert, downtown Calgary. And the next day, I gave my life to Christ. So that wow. was God. That was a God thing. But I think the hippies, hippies, because they were the most hungry for truth. They yeah. were the most hungry for answers. So if God were to do the same thing again today... What people group do you think he'd pick to do like he did yeah, with the hippies? I think it would be the same, the youth, young adults of, of today. Um, there's a lot of, there's so many mixed messages, and as was alluded to in the last show, there were so many things that, that people are into that are just, it screwed up people's minds, and they're, they're trying to find answers, and they're not finding them in the, in the culture that's here. So I, I believe it's ripe for the Holy Spirit to, to open up. So eyes you mean again. like uh, like transgender type everything people? like everything all the mixed up messages of mm-hmm. I had somebody send me a message and say did you teach social justice uh, when I posted about the Jesus people a while ago on, on the movie on the movie thread and I said we didn't teach it we lived it mm-hmm. and it wasn't like someone had to tell us to be equitable towards blacks or you mm-hmm. know. East Indians or anybody. It wasn't anything like that. It was, it was uh, you just love people. And if you love them, you're going to treat them with respect. And even if you don't agree with them, you'll still treat them with respect and you'll love them. Yeah. So that's there's the a, difference. Do you there's, think, a, oh, there's a thread uh, kind of the same today through social media, especially where there's so many people uh, explaining what their brand of truth is. Mm-hmm. And so it can be the same thing where people just keep listening to this guy and then they find out that doesn't satisfy. They try to be super liberal and they find out that doesn't satisfy. They try to be super conservative. That doesn't satisfy. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of opinions out there that uh, that are readily accessible. It's kind of the same same kind of different, I guess, is a good way to put it. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, an over. It's like an overstimulation of in, information, and I think that uh, one thing I've heard people do a parallel to uh, the the kids today need the peace of God because mm-hmm. of that uh, whirlwind of information barraging their brain. They need they need something concrete to hold on to, something mm-hmm. steady. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Do you think the church is ready for it? Maybe not, but they have to be. I, <laughs> I, I think they, I mean, it's the only place. It's, it's God's plan. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of people who are done with the church, unfortunately. Um, and part of that is the church's fault because they just haven't, they've, they've just been about themselves and not about others and not about reaching out. I think if a church is always looking outward and not inward, that's how we can build ourselves here, but how we can reach people. And I think that's attractive if, if it's just about building and we want to get the biggest building, we want to get the biggest thing, we want to have the best program, we want to have the busiest bulletin, the busiest schedule. I mean, I was that way once and uh, 
um, I just realized that's not that's not where it's at. It's it's reaching people and yeah, it's all about others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's so good, Leith. Do you um, how do I put this? Uh, do you see a, a a real change in John since that first? time that you met him on fire for Jesus, is he, is he still that kind of person? Oh, definitely. Definitely. He may have, well, we've had our personal ups and downs over the years, but um, he's always been my rock, you know, other than Jesus, because he's, he, he's even tempered. Like he said, he, he's never been depressed or, or anything like that, and he's he's always loved people and always been reaching out. So his Christianity also had a stick in the glue, like like we mm-hmm. talked about your marriage. Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and obviously the same for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't have wanted to do life without Jesus. I I was a mess when I got saved. Um, I was depressed. I was. You weren't a hippie, but you had all these other issues yeah, that were exactly maybe inward that yes. weren't showing outward. Totally inward, and and I I knew I needed help. And I as a as a young person, I went to a United Church camp, and I thought this this youth leader is more hung up than me, <laughs> and I was pretty messed up. So mm. so you know it's it's taken. A, a long time to to grow past that to overcome some of the issues that I had, and because we started our family so early in our marriage, I didn't get the the same teaching that John did. So I've sort of, you know, just messed about on my own, and and um, God has been so gracious to teach me and you know, to bring resources my way that I needed to grow. That's good. That's good. John, you've um, obviously, the two of you have pastored and and such, but you are quite the psalmist now for never having any kind of musical training per se. Uh, Sing us a little song that you've done. If you can. I know you don't have your guitar here or anything, but uh, sing something that you've written. All right, very simple one. Um, that is sing, it's been sung all over the world. Simple little song, Wind of the Spirit Blow on Me. Um, I'm going to try it here. Wind of the Spirit Blow on Me, O breath of God, please let me see the glory of your majesty. Wind of the Spirit Blow. It's just a little prayer uh-huh. that I did one day sitting That's at the awesome. piano and and, uh, and and was that when you first got saved that no time? that was that was a, a later song that came more when I was involved in worship mm-hmm. and leading worship That's and, beautiful yeah, so That's just beautiful little simple song and, and just, we've taught it all over the place so yeah 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 I so appreciate that that uh, it's kind of an organic thing that just comes out of you uh, to worship and to say it, uh, I encourage people to think of their gift like this. Uh, people need to hear it the way you say it. Yeah, that's good. And and that's why uh, 
individual body ministry is so important. We practiced that in a meeting we were just in together mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. Uh, it's so important to hear the way, the way each person perceives a scripture or have somebody worship out of their heart. Yeah, and uh, that's why uh, we enjoy you guys so much. You're an, you're original. <laughs> you're uh, it's so refreshing to have uh, original Christians. To fellowship with uh, uh, so many people think that that there's a way uh, that they need to copy, and as soon as you copy, uh, you you uh, you make yourself little. You you know you shortcut uh, what God's original intent was for you, and so thank you for being original. Thanks. <laughs> it's a pleasure. What, what has been your gift to the body of Christ, Lee? Well, the I think the one of the things that John prays regularly for me is a kindness ministry because um, right from the get-go I would you know hear about somebody who was ill and take a meal or banana bread or just something to help out and and I've had since I retired I've had lots more opportunity to do that and uh, I've been involved with worship with John too Mm -hmm. I always wanted to be involved you know just to support his ministry for one thing, and because it was my heart to to be a worshiper, so uh, shining your light mm-hmm. uh, comes in all kinds of shapes and forms, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, obeying Holy Spirit and doing something huge and powerful is no more important than going down the street with a, a plate of food for somebody that couldn't mm-hmm. help themselves that day. Yeah, and uh, it it every every little thing that we do to represent the love of God is uh, another another kiss from heaven to the person that mm-hmm. receives it. And so uh, if you're listening today and you're like, wow, these people have done so many things and have such a great story, well, you have one too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just encourage you to find your voice, find your place, and uh, let it come out of you the way you say it, with the love of God attached, and it'll produce fruit. Yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. really what ministry is, mm-hmm. no matter what kind you do. It's good. So, so we have a few minutes left. Um, John or Leith, is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to talk about or share? The lady that led me to Christ. I want to honor her. Yeah. Her name is Burt Walkler, and she came from Milk River, Alberta. I lived in Calgary. Uh, she was part of the Catholic Charismatic group that wanted to start this Christian commune. One day, one Saturday night in uh, August 1st, 1970, she said, uh, I'm not just going to sit around. I'm going to do something. So she felt like the Lord said, go to this movie on the mall. So she went to this movie on the mall. The mall is a pedestrian mall, downtown Calgary. It's got hippies. It's got prostitutes. It's got drug addicts. It's got Hare Krishna. It's got bikers, everything. It's not some place a homemaker from south- southwest Calgary would go to. <laughs> and uh, so she went with her daughter and her, her daughter's friend. Right in the middle of the movie, she got up and she said, we're supposed to, we're supposed to go outside. She just felt the Holy Spirit said, Go outside. So she left in the middle of the movie, went outside. At the same time, I had just checked in from Vancouver that day and met a girl at the hostel. We walked over to the mall together, and then she took off to talking to someone. There's all these groups, conversations going on. So I sat down on this cement block outside, cement seat outside the Palace Theater where I didn't know this lady was inside. And as soon as I sat down, God spoke to her and said, get up and go outside. So when they came outside, the girl that was a friend of her daughter's was with her. She said, she came up to me and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm writing something in my journal and, or something. And she's, she says, oh, what are you doing in Calgary? I said, I want to settle down here. And, and so she said, oh, I know a lady that wants to start a 
called me to help kids on drugs. And so I said, oh, okay, I'm interested. You know, I believe in God. I wasn't a Christian. But uh, so she, she, um, the lady had her back to me. So she tapped this Mert on the shoulder and Mert talked around, turned around and said, Who, uh, yeah, if you're interested. And she told us a story. Meet us here tomorrow at 2.30 and we'll, we'll take you to, to, you know, and talk about it. So next day we met and I was traveling with a guy from my hometown and he met him in the hospital in Vancouver. So we, we hitchhiked um, back. And so we went to, the, to meet her and we went to her daughter's apartment and we sat for four hours and there was a guy there. Um, uh, there was one guy there and two or three others. They were Catholics and, and, but they were spirit filled. They loved the Lord. And after about four hours, she fed us, talked to us about Jesus, about the moving of the spirit, everything. She said, let's pray. So, I was stood, and there's two guys on either side of me. I don't hold hands with guys, but <laughs> she said, "Let's pray." And I held yeah. hands, and and then I just felt like that was the time. I just said, "God, my heart's open to whatever you have to give me." And I I said it so fast, you know, "God, my heart's open to whatever you have to give me." Just so quick, <laughs> just get it out. I have to pray. open my heart, and that's that's when Jesus came in. I didn't understand it fully, but I knew what I wanted. And the next day, she she gave me a Bible, and she said, "Go go downtown and tell people Jesus loves them." That's all she said. I don't know anything. I've never been trained. I don't know anything. So uh, I went downtown, talked to people about Jesus. And every day from then on, it was like talking to people about Jesus. And so it was, it was quite something. But uh, when she passed away, a number of years later, the family said, uh, would you do the eulogy for her? Wow. Well, I gave the eulogy. And, <laughs> and I talked about how God uses an ordinary person that nobody would suspect as a hero. Yeah. But she was, to yeah. me, she was a hero. And uh, the, out of the six pallbearers, Four were pastors that wow. she had led to Christ through prison ministry. She would wow. take someone with a guitar, go to the prison, and share the gospel. And these guys got saved. They were now pastors all over the place. So there was five of us at her funeral honoring her as, as pastors, honoring her faithfulness to share the gospel. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, one lady who just decided she wasn't going to sit and, and do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I mean, would happen if all the Christians did that? Wow. I think I think every good thing just starts with that. Yeah, like, just getting, decide. Getting out of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's uh, let's pray for the people listening. I think God's doing something with that to encourage them to to use what's inside their heart. You don't have to be like her, uh, you know, going and leading young people to Jesus down in the in the bad part of town. But you Might do be like Leith. You do have bread. yeah. You do have yeah. something. Really that you can give. What does it look like if you get up and go? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? And then do yeah. it. So how, how would you encourage them to, to launch into that? You have to take the that? first step. You know, God has to open your eyes and show you where the need is and take the first step. He did. He opened the, he opened the eyes of Hagar and showed her where the well was for her son. God can open your eyes and show you where the well is for that person in need. What qualifies them to be a minister to go? What? They're called to be his servants. We're called to be his servants. and You don't have to have an education to do that. You just show God's love, and, and uh, you go, open your mouth, and I will fill it. He'll you can be you a wisdom. brand new hippie and know yeah. nothing and still go tell people Jesus yeah. loves them. And it changes lives. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> or be an oil-working secretary and show kindness every day. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's just been a rich, rich life. You know, we don't have a lot in the way of things, but we feel rich every day, every day. with what God yeah. has done God and good. what He has blessed yeah. us with. That's so good. Yeah, so we're so happy that uh, you were listening with us today. 
And uh, if you want to contact uh, the Cyrits, uh we'd be more than happy to connect you with them. They they travel, they minister, they uh, uh, they do meetings uh, wherever they wherever they're invited. And so you can contact them through our website at outpouringinternational.com. And uh, I outpouring actually it's outpouringintl.com. And uh, we'd we'd be happy to get you connected with them. And uh, uh, I I highly recommend their ministry. They move in the gifts of the Spirit. They're they're equippers and teachers. And uh, but uh, we're so happy you're listening today. Be encouraged. God needs you out doing what He put using your gift. Mm-hmm. And so uh, make a decision just to start. And then listen to what Holy Spirit says. Good. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Late. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you, John. Mm -hmm. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Church Doctors Podcast. For more information or to contact us, please visit our website at outpouringintl.com.